The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new car. Like a legendary Camry, built for performance and available with all-wheel drive, you can count on your new Camry to get anywhere you need to go. And with available features like heated seats and a multimedia touchscreen, you can stay connected in comfort and style. Or check out an affordable and reliable Corolla with a trim for every lifestyle, from the hip and agile sedan to the sporty hatchback. There's a dependable Corolla built just for you. Plus, both Camrys and Corollas are available in hybrid models. So no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and affordably. And right now, your local Toyota dealer has more vehicles in stock and is making delivery on new vehicles almost every day. So visit your local Toyota dealer. And check out amazing national sales event deals on Camrys, Corollas, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. Offers end April 1st. Toyota, let's go places. Welcome back to the Cover 3 Podcast with your hosts, Chip Patterson, Tom Fernelli, Danny Cannell, and Bud Elliott. It's your call for the best college football coverage from National Signing Day to the National Championship and everything in between. CBS Sports presents the Cover 3 Podcast. And welcome back to the Cover 3 Podcast here on CBS Sports. That's Bud Elliott. I'm Chip Patterson. National Signing Day. Early National Signing Day. Early Signing Day. Bud is in Fort Lauderdale. He's been participating in our CBS Sports HQ 24-7 sports coverage of what has been, and this is, you know, in our um, phone call earlier today, one of the craziest signing days ever. You have been in this industry. You've worked uh, for multiple different outlets. And so I, I kind of wanted to set the stage because, yes, of course, we are going to get into... Travis Hunter, both what it means immediately, what it could mean long-term. Of course, we are going to get into the race for the number one class. Uh, some of the biggest surprises that we have, including, I think, an interesting adjustment to our uh, early signing period admissions narrative. Bud, if you follow me on that one, with uh, with the certain programs have, have really been able to, to come strong with their December class, as well as some of the first-year coaches and elsewhere. But uh, to... To just sort of take this from your perspective as someone who has been living and breathing this beat within college football uh, for a long time, um, does it really live up to what feels like a very, you know, in the moment, um, just just being overwhelmed with uh, the significance of the different moves and, and really what we've seen today here on this early national signing day? I mean, Chip, it was an awesome day. It was a wild. I mean, unless you're a Florida State fan and then not a great day, but it was a really wild day. Uh, I We talked at dinner last night. Man, if we could just get some flips or some drama, because last year was so dry and so chalky and people didn't visit anywhere because of COVID. And this year we actually had visits again and and everything going on. And today was absolutely wild. You know, you got, you got flips all over the place, unexpected signings, kids delaying their signings, trying to figure out what's wrong and uh, – I know we'll talk about this a little bit later as well. About nine-ish. It's like, hey, everything good over there in Tallahassee? And uh, for the most part, okay. You know, uh, checked in a little bit later. Georgia still didn't think they were getting Travis Hunter. So I'm like, all right, what's the deal here? And I'm like, well, maybe maybe, maybe it's Dion's bombshell he, he handed about. And told Sam Hellman, our, our desk editor, hey, just – 
write a shell about this just in case. We we, we want to we, we win the race to Google if this is a real thing. And, uh, man, that was that was something to see the number one player in the country go to Jackson State. I mean, there's so many angles about this. I'm sure we'll have Danny on to talk about it as well. But this this was pretty wild, man. Um, what an incredible day. When you uh, you tweeted early in the morning, you said this feels like a more fun national signing day. And instantly, the first thing I thought of was contact. That it's just because these kids have been able to make their visits, because coaches have been able to get in and do some face-to-face with these families, that you're just going to have a little bit more fun in terms of the uh, the fluidity of some of these decisions, You know the ways that a lot of them are going to unfold. And the thing that I thought was so like my initial reaction, because listen, our newsroom was having the the same kind of debates that a lot of people were having all over the country. Like, okay, all right. So is this part of the Deion Sanders show? Like, is, is this something that is, um, you know, like a little bit of, you know, teasing, is there some entertainment value to this? And, you know, I, I think that the thing that stood out was that Travis Hunter played a big role based on my understanding. And you would know this much more, but in helping recruit Florida State's players, like in helping to reach out to even like some members of the class that still ended up in Mike Norvell's signing class here. And the role that he played as, as a key piece of the future, like Mike Norvell is selling Like, I understand, you know, at the beginning of the season when things were looking really bad, he's like, I understand things aren't great, but, you know, we're we're loaded up on the future. They had that massive, uh, you know, recruiting event. Everything was going well. And so to me, I was like, man, if this is true, Travis Hunter as a recruiter then bailing, that is like some impact that could, again, uh, we don't need to start like low and low on Florida State, but like before we even get to Jackson State and sort of the larger implications there – that that's got to be a, a big knock just to the general like ego of the Florida State football program that somebody who you thought was so in your camp and on your side that he was key in being able to boost the future of your program the, to lose him at a moment like this like that's got to be one of the more heartbreaking uh, national signing day losses in recruiting history. Oh, it's a kick in the balls for sure. Um, I mean, he, he was like he was your number one recruiter on Sam McCall, your your, your five star, right? Um, you know that that's that's a huge huge loss for them. I um, mean, it if your confidence is shaken in Norvell's ability to turn the program around, I don't blame you. Like that was a large thing to, to pin your hat on, and um, obviously they they end up not getting Travis Hunter. Uh, ultimately, I, I said this on CBS HQ today. I appreciate everybody who, who was watching that for us. Uh, you know, to me, it's hard to blame them for not seeing the Hunter thing coming, given how hard he was turning down other programs that you would think. To ask about, uh, and the fact that he was actively recruiting for you, you know, pretty hard, uh, as you said. Some of the other misses they had, and this is not a Florida State show, so we won't get into it that hard. But, but you those can watch were some Florida State show on the twenty four seven Sports Podcast Network. It, exactly right. Check out on the bench. Um, you know, some of the other misses. I, I think uh, if I'm Mike Norvell, I'm firing some staff because you can't be in those meetings as a coach and be saying we're good, we're good, we're good. And they have that many misses, right? That's misvaluation, and you're paid to do it. That's that's breaking news music. Oh, we got breaking news? Yeah, we've got breaking news because we've got somebody who was in those kind of meetings. Check it out. It is the man, 
Barton Simmons in the house live here on youtube.com slash cover three in the flesh. And according to his, uh, his nameplate there and still the locks champion. That's right. The man did want to go out on top. He, he did the walk off uh, to be able to win it. So Barton, first of all, uh, as general manager of the Vanderbilt Commodores, this is an immensely stressful time. So uh, congratulations on the completion of the early signing day. Uh, how are you doing, my friend? I I am great. Uh, man, it's good to see you boys. Where are, Where's the rest of the Rat Pack? Fernelli and uh, Cannell, they, they, they're too good for me? What's going on with those guys? They definitely didn't know that you were involved, and they definitely opted out. Uh, like, like they would opt out of bowl games, and they opt out of national signing day. Like that's the signing day coverage. Like Barton, th- this was you and me, mud. Like remember, it was, yeah. it was, it was grab that's Barton true. when he gets done on the CBS Sports HQ set. Throw him in one of those like lockers that they have off to the side as Bud is in right now. So it, you know how this signing day recap show goes. Can I tell you that it's it is. Um... This side of it is actually, uh, in some ways, less frenetic. Like you've got to, like Bud and Will Fong and all these guys have got to like know where everyone in the country is going. I've just got to know where like the thirty guys on our board are going, and so and twenty five of those are pretty much locked in. So it's um it's it's a little bit different on this side of it. Um, now, granted, the the anxiety is probably just as high because anyone missed up. Uh, like the number one player in the country going to Jackson State, I guess, uh, is like is is you know can change you know job security in the future. Like Bud's trying to fire the whole Florida State staff. It sounds like, <laughs> um, but uh, but it's it's it is fun, man. This was a this is a fun day. The chat is loving the over army representation. I mean, just Let's just go. everybody everybody mounting up as uh, as they see their general uh, return into the battlefield. <laughs> Uh, yeah, you guys are under pod now, I guess, right? I mean, mm-hmm. no? First quarter I, under. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. The, the key was to be targeting the, the first half. Like, the, you'll like this one. You go and you eliminate the risk of an undergoing bust in the second half of these games where we've got conservative coaches that are just going to do the, like, feel them out kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So you catch an Oregon, Utah. Oh, that's a first half under. You know, they just want to play good defense in the first half and not break out any trick plays. Michigan, Penn State. Oh, that's a first half under that you dance to the entire way. Full game under hits too. But Bud's really opened my eyes to that D-Gen stuff when you get into the quarters and the, uh, the half plays. Yeah, Bud's really gone off-brand. Like, uh, you know, it was a mainstream betting pod. And then Bud got like deep in the weeds, and uh, you know, hey, that's good. It's good. It's, it's good to have the balance there. So you said the day was less stressful. Take us inside. I mean, every all the letters are in, right? Y'all aren't waiting on anybody else. Are y'all done? Done? Uh, we are. Um, we're not done. Done, but um, you know, generally we're done. I mean, we got, some, we, got some, we got some more action. Um, okay. You nice. know, essentially, before before the week's out. But you can talk about the class without committing an NCAA violation here I on the Cover Three podcast. For the, for the most part, I can. Yes. So there's yeah. about 21 guys we could ask you about, roughly. Thereabouts. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. So how'd it go? Tell us about it. Uh, it went awesome. I mean, I think this is like, you know, when we set out to to, to build a class back uh, around this time last year in January, um, this is what we had in mind. Like we got like. You know, you know, we got a class that looks like the teams we play 
And um, it's, uh, you know, we, we had to get longer. We had to get more athletic. We had to get bigger up front, particularly, you know, add some length and, and athleticism on the defensive line. And we did that. Like uh, our secondary is, is like all the guys are all like six foot, six, one, like long armed, like ball skills, speedsters. And so, uh, I mean, this was um, this was a huge, huge day for us. Um, and I mean, there's a lot of good energy in the building, uh, a lot to build on. I think the commits and the class have really like rallied and circled the wagons to an extent to where like they really believe. So it's just a good springboard. And this, I mean, our roster is, is in a really good place mentally. Um, we're going to have probably six to eight guys in the spring and spring practice as early enrollees. And so, um, just, uh, uh, I mean, a lot, a lot to build on, a lot to be excited about and. Um, you know, we're, we're going to get it going. Obviously, you're excited about all these kids. Who, who is the dude you, that, that maybe behind the scenes you all had to sweat down the stretch? Um, well, Darren Agu took an official visit to um, to Tennessee last weekend, and we never really felt like he was a guy that um, you know he, he was he he was always great with us and ne- never displayed any hesitation with us. But anytime a guy's visiting somewhere else. Um, you know, you, you, you gotta, you gotta sweat it out a little bit, but when we got him back on campus last weekend, and by the way, I, he, he is as talented as anybody, uh, as a pass rusher in this class, in my opinion. And, uh, he just connected with this vision and this place and this roster and this class. And, uh, after the weekend, we didn't, we didn't really worry about it too much. We had a couple guys that were getting a few sort of these like last minute phone calls uh, from some of the you know, kind of blue blood programs pulling the old, like, why don't you wait till February? Why don't you mm. hold off type of stuff? And, uh, and, and so we had to weather a little bit of that, but, but nothing, um, nothing too, too crazy. Um, you know, uh, Jadis Richards, another one who we think is a, just a stud safety out of West Monroe that was once committed to TCU. He took a visit to Louisville the last weekend. Um, again, you know, we, we still felt good about it all along. And so uh, we, we have confidence in our relationships, and that's ultimately how we're going to build it here is, is, is with the relationships and the people in the building. And uh, we felt like we found the right guys that were connected to the right stuff here to where they weren't going to waver if you, you know, dangle a big stadium or something in front of them. Do you have – go ahead. No, I, I was just lo- looking at the list, Barton. Obviously, a lot of staffs feel the pressure to win immediately, and everybody wants to win, but it, it feels like – in the portal era, if you're going to take a class that is this heavy on high schoolers, that has to say something about the administration's buy-in and understanding of the vision and challenge and timeline that it's going to take to get Vanderbilt where you want it to be. Yeah, I think that, I mean, look, and we are going to, um, we are going to use the portal. Uh, we're never going to be a 15 get transfer class or something like that, but we are going to try to find the guys that are fits and, and, and supplement as we need need to. But like, ultimately, yeah, that's what's exciting about this is we're going to have an opportunity to build this the right way. We're going to have an opportunity to like get the right guys in the building and 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 develop them. Um, and so, look, like we're 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 building the foundation right now. This year was a foundational year, and it, you know, next year we still got some heavy lifting to do. But um, if we I mean, look, if we get another class like this next year, and if we continue to get better this year, and if we continue to get these guys continue to buy into the offseason and the development within this place and the processes we got in place, man, like I'm just telling you guys, like th- this thing's going to get going. Um, and, you know, eventually 
bud, you guys are going to finally give us some bandy pumps. You know, you guys are going to stop hating on our class. Yeah. Let's, yeah. let's talk those bandy bumps. I, I, I got Cooper and Chris and Will Fong right out there on the couches. What, uh, what a bunch uh, of other than we're talking about. All right. I, I, I totally agree. I mean, we're, just just, it's, it's, it's a clown show. We, yeah. Who's the kid that obviously, you know, I mean, you may not want to be bumped up because then it could create even more competition. I know you guys crave competition, but it, flying under the radar is not bad. Now no that they're in the boat, now they've signed. Yeah. Who's the kid you're like? That that dude should have been higher. For, yeah, there's a few. There's a few of them. So Davion Walker is a wide receiver out of Georgia. He had like 1,200 yards receiving and 20 touchdowns. Um, won a state championship for Warner Robins. I think that guy is like an elite wide receiver in this class. Um, I would think he's really special. Um, th- there is a uh, there. I mean, I think the Jadis Richard kid at uh, that that we landed. I mean, watch watch the dunk he had last night in basketball, where he just absolutely tomahawked on somebody and stood over him like that's the kind of guy that we think is going to make this place different um and then you know i'm just sort of looking at our board oh maurice edwards like we spent the whole cycle believing that maurice edwards was going to get like every big time offer in the country and we'd have to fight off everyone in the country and they never came and i don't know why they never came i'm fine with it right like, he's a running back that's going to be like i mean he ran a 4-4-1 in our camp this summer jump, broad jump 10-5 at like 205 pounds with 10 inch hands and like just a, a just he's just a like a different dude. Um, had like 10 yards of carry this year, rushing the football. So, uh, I mean, that's another one that that we're we're really excited about. Um, God, Barton yeah. loves being able to get your multi sport athletes. Yeah, you know the recipe. I'm a believer. Listen, you've, you taught me, right? Like when I'm out here talking about like when I, when they have to get me to start writing about it, I take notes when I pick that up off a profile, because that's something that's significant. You get those good measurements, you get that track speed, you get somebody that can be two, three sport athlete. That's, this is a, it's a special type of prospect right there without a doubt. Well, that's what's fun is right now, you know, we're putting all those theories to the test. If, if, if we got no good players in the next, you know, we're on the looking up in three years, and we got a bunch of guys running around. They got no business being on the SEC field. And hey, I'll, I'll hang it up and, and come back to the college. Pod. Yeah. Hope y'all got a spot for me on the pod. Um, but I think the recipe is going to work. I really do. I mean, I think this like I, I, I just you know just look at just look at the guys we got this cycle and look at how look at the length. We got six six guys across the board on the defensive line. Um, you know, we got a six, six tight end. We got six foot plus all over our secondary right now. We got a, we got a linebacker in Bryce Cowan. That's from Bud's world down in Tallahassee. That's God be kid. 81 yeah. inch wingspan. I mean, I'm just telling you, like we got a strength coach in Brandon Horgan. This that's, uh, as good as anyone in the country. And he's got some, he's, he's got some raw materials to work with that is going to be uh, exciting. So, um, you know, we'll see. Put put we're putting the money where the mouth or where, where my mouth is, I guess. So so the two things that change. Oh, sorry, Chip. Yeah, well, just like, can you take us? Um, like, do you have to fight for those opinions sometimes? I mean, you might have like a full, fully. Everyone loves talking about alignment. You might have a fully aligned vision. You know, everything behind what Clark wants to do, and you know, everyone might be on the same board. But you know, having been being in these meetings and and knowing maybe talking to people from other staffs or maybe people sharing those experiences, do 
do you sometimes have to fight about what is the uh this little guy what's yeah. up man <laughs> oh, yeah, you got my shoe. nice what's the uncle barton i mean this pod has really gone downhill man we got you know we're getting so old man i guess i used to have i used to have some some kid issues from time to time. You, you yeah. had Scout doing backflips off a of bed. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> got to see all kinds of uh, all kinds of good uh, gymnastics there. But like, do you have to fight for those priorities sometimes to be able to like you know make the argument that it's what we should be targeting? No, we really we we fought for them up front in terms of just like creating the the alignment and like we're we're really fortunate that this coaching staff like. I mean, I, I haven't had any sort of philosophical differences with the guys that we've got on staff, and part of that is by design. But um, and but I, you know, part of it is is Clark and I have, have you know are aligned philosophically, and so that hiring is going to kind of have um, you know reflect that in a way. So you know, there, there's certainly some disagreements in the in the, the the room from time to time, but they're more about. They're much more subjective than they are like objectively, like what we're looking for, um, which is which is a, a you know obviously makes things a lot easier, um, and 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 puts us in a position like you said from an alignment standpoint where hey, you know we can keep this thing rolling. Um, we can't talk about any international prospects, correct? Not yet. Well, we got we have two international prospects that went to high school in the states um, that have signs. Uh, Darren Agu, who's from Germany, and uh, excuse me, who's from London, and uh, Linus Zunk, who's from Germany. So I will say, as a um, general look, Vanderbilt isn't a place right now where we need to find value, right? Like we're not going to just be a, like we're, we're we won the three games the two years before we got here. We won two games this year. Like we we understand there is a little bit of um, finding our lane, you know, finding value, uh, and there's value in guys that. Um, are, you know, haven't been playing football or are not as finished products, a little bit more raw, a little bit, you know, maybe, maybe they are overseas. Um, if we can find value there, we'll find it and we'll take it. Uh, but ultimately like we're, we're going to, we're going to ultimately bet on ourselves. Uh, and so we're going to, we're going to bet on length and athleticism and, and our coaches to get it done with them. And so we, we've certainly, I feel like found that in this class and a couple guys that, uh, have, have, European international roots in that regard. Um, so since you took this job, two main things have, have changed in college football. One was we knew we had the portal, but they weren't immediately eligible. Like we thought it would get passed and then it got kicked the can down the road and then they finally, you know, they passed it. The other thing was NIL. Now, I know you're not allowed to use NIL to influence prospects to come to the school officially. I don't know if you, I mean, you, you did see some other stuff go down today. I think Lane Kiffin's pretty openly talking about it and Jimbo, on the fine bomb show just said we've had nil for decades just nobody talked about nothing yep um which is a great quote how, how much is this impacting the recruiting landscape behind the scenes uh i think it's it's i think it is affecting it like with those really like you know five-star blue chip type guys a little bit more than just sort of across the board um i i think and and just for the record like you know like this thing with um the kid out of out of Florida State that went to Jackson State, Travis Hunter. Man, that's great. Yeah, I got you know I'm, I continue even on this side of it now. I was a I was I was uh, forward on your side of it. Now I'm on this side of it. Like that's great. All right, you know, kids gonna make a million dollars or whatever, and he's basically getting paid to go to Jackson State. So yeah, like that's I, I'm good with that. 
Um, let me call up our donors and booster and see if they can figure out a way to get that done here. You know, it, it's, it's, uh, yeah, I mean, that money's got to go somewhere. Um, and so, uh, I got no issue with it. I mean, it, there's a lot of evolution still to go within it. And, um, you know, there's a lot of sorting out and, and working through that, 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 you know, people on my side of it have to, to, to figure out. Um, but ultimately like that's, you know, we're at the point now we just got to, we got to find the right guys at Vanderbilt. You know, we just got to get the right guys and, you know, we're not gonna get in bidding wars, but, um, but there may be a point where we can't get in those bidding wars. And even if it doesn't, you know, you know, however that looks, um, but we, um, you know, right now it's, it's really about for us, uh, just finding the, the right players and, and evaluating at a really high level. Cause that that's, that, those are the margins we're going to win with right now. So you mentioned it being less stressful. I guess that like, I mean, was there, were text threads blowing up? Were y'all talking about it around the office as the news started to break? I guess maybe it was about 11 AM Eastern or so. And it's starting to get out that like, Hey, like Steve Wiltfong, you know, being one of the first ones, like starting to hear that. That was the first place I saw it was Wiltfong. Yeah. Hey, like, so any body like, did that resonate for you? Like, were you all of a sudden you're like, Oh, wow. But uh, you know, it has, I don't know if he was someone that was on your radar to begin with, but uh, it certainly feels like one of the biggest, what it feels like one of the biggest midday dramas since Alex Collins and the, who knows where the letter is type situation. Yes. Yeah. 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 Right. No. Yeah. It was, uh, it was absolutely, I mean, Look, we, we were talking about it. that was the only national storyline that was being discussed in our office. We didn't we weren't talking about where who was going where or anything like that. We didn't have we didn't have any signing day shows on, you know, no offense. We just, uh, you know, you guys um, love seeing you, but um, we didn't necessarily. And, and yeah, that yeah, that that certainly made the water cooler discussion. Um, and uh, I mean, it's a. It, 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 I saw someone say like it's the biggest flip of all time or something. It is like you can't get bigger than that. That is as big as it gets. And uh, was that pretty much all y'all talked about all day? Was it one of those deals where it was just like such a big story that you guys just you just sort of tabled all other little storylines and just talked about that all day long? You know Tully, right? Yeah. Uh, Tully was uh, he Tully was energetic uh, about this one. So the the, the rundown went. I, my, I think my my next hit was supposed to be at like one thirty, and it got shifted to like. 3.30. So yeah. we were lucky enough that Will Fong, like, I was hearing about the Jacksonville State side of this, and I'm like, hey, FSU's legit nervous. And then Will Fong was very sure it was not Georgia. And we had known Bama was out for a couple weeks at least. I was like, dude, this might really be Jacksonville State. And we were lucky that Will Fong could confirm it. You know, At least the, there was legit smoke there. He got on the air at like 11 ish, I think it was like, Hey, this is something we're going to monitor throughout the day. I think now maybe they just get a bunch of publicity out of it, or maybe this actually goes down. And then we were able to cut that into VOD and Des did a good job of get, get the story out. And then, you know, we had a lunch break and you had a YouTube chat just going nuts, like more, more, more. And we got back on and we talked about it for like another hour. That's was, awesome. I mean, <laughs> yeah. it was incredible. Yeah. I mean, I get you, you guys, this is like a, yeah, that's a producer's dream. That guy didn't have to work anymore the rest of the day. Just throw out Travis Hunter and let y'all work. Mm -hmm. um, exactly. Well, listen, guys, uh, I know that the the Cover 3 um, Army doesn't want to listen to Vanderbilt talk all day long. Um, and I got a bowling event that I got to go to. It's time to celebrate a little bit. Uh, but I tell you what, uh, when we get you – know, 
you know, our, our first SEC win next fall, you know, save a spot for me on the pod so I can jump back on. Dude, uh, you, know. you on an instant reaction pod. Oh, late after, night? After Oat the milk. SEC win with the OMV? Come on. OMV's going to be flowing. <laughs> Let's go. Well, Barton, it's awesome to see you. Congratulations on uh, being done with half of the 2022 class or more than half or, you know, whatever your numbers end up being. I know there's much more work to do and recruiting never stops and being a general manager and trying to guide this program uh, to where it needs to be is a, is an 24 seven job. So much love to the fam. Great to see you and uh, congratulations. Thanks for uh, jumping in with us. Yeah, guys, thanks for having me. And uh, man, I, I sure miss the, uh, the, the, the pod discussions, but I missed the cover three army, man. I missed the, I missed the, the listeners. That's a good crowd. So, um, you know, treat them right, treat them right, bud. Love them, love them, care for them. You know, uh, you, you know, those are my, those are my, my people. So see if I got they ask for every show. <laughs> Players that are making a buzz. Camp, camp, buzz. Camp, camp, buzz. Camp, camp, buzz. Talking about players that are buzzing. Hey, we have a guy on our staff that um, that coached Syracuse last year. I played him the Dino drop. Uh, he loved it. I don't know. Dino might have heard it by now. We gotta. I'm gonna. Have to, I'm gonna have to make. Sh- I'm gonna have to make sure Dino uh, gets a gets the drop sent to him at some point. But um, that's that's still the best. I'm sure he loves it. No doubt. You guys don't think he's heard it? He's got to have heard it. We hoping. had him on social distance last year. Remember all the COVID interviews we were doing? Yeah. <laughs> I, yeah. We, we, we got to send it to him if he's not heard. It. That's awesome. All right, Barton. Thanks all so right. much, man. Appreciate See you, buddy. it. Awesome stuff. Barton Simmons, general manager of the Vanderbilt Commodores. Uh, great to catch up with him. All right. You saw he had the poncho on, right? Well, I mean, dude, his style is exquisite. Always. Yeah. yeah chat was loving it. Uh, coming up on the other side, let's take a look at what is shaping up to be a very, very interesting race for the number one class, plus some of our surprises and uh, what happened with all of those big-time programs, big-time coaches. It was a very active coaching carousel. What was the recruiting impact? We'll get into that and more next. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. So, um, you know, I, my general like routine habit is to think that we get to like crown the number one class, but it's the early signing period. So guess what? We still got a lot of, a uh, lot of work left, but there does seem to be a little bit of a separation, uh, within the 24 seven sports rankings. And so I'm going to draw my line and I want you to tell me 
like where you think it is. Because I think the line is below Ohio State. Is Ohio State still in for number one, or do you think it's uh, the line is above Ohio State? I, I think the line is above Ohio State. It, it is difficult to, to go all election style coverage here. It's difficult for me to see a path where Ohio State you know, shoots that gap and everybody else misses on the remaining guys they need to miss on, at least in our you know, 24-7 sports the high school popular. only rankings. You know, we, we, yeah. we do have the combined rankings this year as well for the first time ever. So make sure you check that out on 24-7 sports because transfers matter. They take up a scholarship spot. And so we are also doing grades this year. Uh, that incorporate transfers. Of course, those will keep evolving, uh, you know, far into the year. But I, I think that line is is above Ohio State. I, I think it is going to be one of those three SEC teams, and all of them are doing just a, a tremendous job this year. Yeah, Ohio State on the wrong side of one or two flips too here uh, on or the early National Signing Day. So uh, the three SEC teams that Bud just mentioned, in case you haven't gotten a chance to look at it, Alabama currently sitting at number one, Texas Tech. I mean, just a few points behind them at number two and Georgia at number three. These three schools occupied the top three spots coming into the day, uh, right? I believe so. And they've just shuffled around just a little bit. Uh, So let's go uh, team by team. Let me know what sort of stands out about the class. And we'll start with the current number one as as we're recording here around five o'clock on the East Coast. Uh, Alabama, no surprise to see them with that ranking. But what do you like about this particular class? Uh, lines of scrimmage, lines of scrimmage, lines of scrimmage, I, I think are, are pretty impressive here at Alabama uh, reloading along the offensive lines. Tyler Booker, uh, who is a you know, really, really highly rated kid, 51st in the country on the composite. I saw him a lot down there at IMG. Elijah Pritchett, a, a bookend tackle for them on the other side. Another really impressive guy there. Uh, and they have a couple more that I think they're waiting on uh, as well. Uh, but Another one to, to look at here is a guy that I really like uh, quite a bit, just a violent dude. And I was down at IMG this spring, and you know I'm not our chief rankings guy, but I've done this for a while, and uh, some guys just pop. And Jihad Campbell is different, okay? He was one he's of the constant decommits, right? Yes, yeah. Uh, he's kind of got that Micah Parsons thing going on. Now, I don't know if he's quite as physical as Parsons, but he's definitely really quick. You know, and it just it's hard to stand out physically at IMG because all the best players from the country or around the country or a lot of them, at least, you know, they they transfer in. And even on that day, he just looked much faster and more impressive than everybody else. Like that's that's like the best kid here. And this is really pretty wild uh, for for that to happen. So I'm uh, I'm pretty impressed. And look, when we. It, it is tough for me like a, to take my football brain and immediately be like, well, you know, we talked about Alabama struggling on the line of scrimmage. They went and got a bunch of like line of scrimmage guys. It's great. But realistically, we have to have patience. We can't expect all of these like freshmen to be able to come in and immediately address the need. But some of the inexperience that was on that Alabama offensive line, you know, where we had players where we said, you know, they are not uh, an SEC Saturday, 3.30 p.m. Eastern time player yet. Like, you can still have that development uh, for, in some cases, that's definitely something to keep an eye on. Uh, what about Jimbo Fisher's Aggies? They land Max Johnson's younger brother, which um, I'm going to make a make a guess here that that means Max Johnson might be on the way too. But uh, number one tight ends, an uh, incredible athlete that you had already spoken of. What do you like about the Aggies class? 
Uh, again, defensive line here. That, that that really defines this class for me at this point. Um, just freaks, man. Walter Nolan was one of the best players I saw all year. He just he's kind of got that like uh, Albert Hainsworth style thing going on. Just violent, much more athletic than he should be. I mean, he's built like a refrigerator box, but he's lined up playing defensive end, and that's just not normal. Like the the, the guys that God blesses with that big a size and those kind of wheels, that's not a combo that most people have. And so those are the rare ones that you really got to go out and fight for. And, and Walter Nolan uh, is is that dude. I think he's somebody who will, even if technique-wise he needs work, just physically there's not a lot of guys in college who are going to be able to handle him. Just that that size of – or that, that combo of size and speed. Anthony Lucas uh, is a really interesting kid for them, defensive lineman out of Arizona, former baseball player. I remember shaking his hand uh, at the Army Combine, and I was like, holy cow, this kid just grabbed me up my wrist. You know, and I'm not 6'2", I'm mean, not, not huge, but like, okay, this is different. That's that's a, not a normal 15-year-old, and he's continued to fill out. Uh, and then Gabe Brownlow-Dendy, who you know can backflip, and uh, their, their defensive line uh, will set them apart in the SEC West from most of the other teams in that division. They, they just have some real difference makers there that are going to be problematic. How do you grade um, just sort of the general trajectory of Jimbo Fisher's Texas A&M program on the recruiting trail? Is this something that uh, continues what you would have expected be, where, let me put it like this. Uh, it is very easy to say Alabama, Georgia, Ohio state, Alabama, Georgia, Ohio state. When we're talking about the like top upper, upper, upper echelon programs in terms of the recruiting trail, my routine has been to say Alabama, Georgia, Ohio State. Are we to a point where we say Texas A&M belongs in that club? I, I think so. Um, some of it, I guess, will depend on, on what, what Sark does at Texas. Uh, but overall, yeah, I, I think so. Um, now, I don't think Ohio, Ohio State's going to go anywhere. So they're not going to bump out Ohio State in the long term, uh, I, I don't think. But I think they're going to be in that conversation given how committed they are to winning. Right, like they're really going all out, and the results show it. They, they, they really, really use their resources well. Um, I know we had initially planned to, so that that's sort of, we said those are the only three that probably are going to have number one in their sights. But since you just mentioned them, um, one of the early sort of buzz teams before Travis Hunter totally owned the entire day was Texas, and it was a couple of you know Steve Wilfong's got his spatula watch. You know, Texas was uh, able to get one from Ohio State. I believe get one from Michigan as well. Um, as I'm looking at the rankings right now, they're all the way up to number five uh, with 27 commits in the class. I mean, do you, do you look at this and, and say this is a combined with the Quinn Ewers commitment that this is exactly what the Longhorn best case scenario for what Steve Sarkeesian and the Longhorns could have asked for for having a big dose of positivity? Uh, here in December after the massive disappointment that was the 2021 season? You know, we, we, we talk about this a lot, and, and I think it is more important than ever uh, due to the transition class uh, and the short timetable uh, caused by the early signing period. If you want to have success, you really better hit that first full class out of the park, right? The first full class. So not the one you have three weeks to put together, but the one that you have you know, an entire year to put together. This was Sarkeesian's first full class. And they had a lot of issues this year, right? They had a, a, a monkey issue. They had a bunch of other stuff. They got guys 
you know, getting getting reamed on, on, on a bus and, and, and dudes transferring out and whatnot. Uh, but they got it done on the recruiting trail. They're all in. This is, I think, I need to double check this, but I'm pretty sure this is the best class that any program has ever signed when they had a losing record. Oh, interesting. Yeah. And you know what's unfortunate? I think at the least Texas- in the early signing period era. I I, I, I haven't oh, gone uh, back, you know, pre ESP, that- but like, in, you know, we've had what five years of early signing now. Well, that feels right. I was going to suggest that the uh, the last option that we had was another Texas team. That or the one must champ year when it, it, you know they they still had a nice class following that. Right. Um. Very definitely in terms of like as I can because early signing period is eighteen. We're working on yeah. like. Yeah, four ish years of that. Uh, 2018 so, class, yeah. So, what about uh, Auburn with Brian Harson? That was a, you know, this is his first full class, and we've been talking about all the players into the transfer portal. You know, what what do you make and, and how do you grade uh, Auburn, especially like continuing down that narrative of trying to make sure that when you do have that first full class, you hit it out of the park? I, I think they did a, a, a good job. I mean, especially nationally at the, they're pacing for a top 15 class right now uh tank bigsby looks like he's not uh, going to go into the portal now which again is is pretty big for them i mean he's assuming that he's bought in uh, he's, he's a really good player uh, for them they had some nice kids to, down, down the stretch obviously gilbert uh, robert woodyard who uh, i think we thought was likely to happen they, they went ahead and closed that one out uh, they got a quarterback who stuck with them the whole way in holden garner i, I they, they did a nice job you know the one of the issues is you're in the SEC West, and we just you know we just talked about the two two of the three programs vying for the number one overall class. The other program vying for the number one overall class is the division is the cross divisional rival that Auburn has to play every year. So I think they did a good job. Did they gain ground or lose ground against Alabama, Georgia, and Texas A and M in this class? Though, if you want to be real about it, they lost ground. Like Bama and Georgia and A and M put put more ground between them based on the talent they brought in. That's just kind of a tough reality or if you're in the West. Um, your Josh Pate had that. Uh, that's he, I think it was a tweet, and then he brought it back up on air uh, on CBS Sports HQ in the 24-7 Sports live stream. But if, if you just write down the names of the head coaches in the SEC West, Brian Harson is the one that doesn't look like the other. And, uh, and that's a... That's an interesting position as he's going to – maybe he embraces the chip on the shoulder. Who knows? Maybe Auburn does as well. Um, but that is going to be very tough as you're trying to keep pace with some of the some of the biggest names and some of the most successful coaches within all of uh, college football. Um, any you any other, like, standouts from, uh, from like, South Carolina? You have uh, South Carolina and Tennessee here. For any other – those two or any other, like, first full-class situations that stand out to you? Yeah, uh, so South Carolina um, did a really nice job down the stretch, I thought. I mean, it's it's South Carolina. I, I wrote about this last year. Uh, one of the reasons Shane Beamer was hired was because of the great recruiting job that he did when he was there as an assistant. And my research showed that the years that he was there as an assistant uh, were a major outlier in the history of the state as far as the amount of talent. You know, they had like 10 or 12 or 14, you know, top 250 guys, I think. This year, I think in the state, they had four or five. So obviously it's much tougher when you don't have those guys in the state. That's that's outside of Beamer's control. I thought he did a nice job. I also thought Josh Heupel, who does not have your reputation as a great recruiter based on what he did at UCF, I thought he did a really nice job closing as well. They, they landed in 
a couple more four stars down the stretch. They got Tyree West today, who you can say Georgia you know, dropped, but it's Georgia. I mean, they, they, they're they kind of doing things on a different level than most other teams right now, you know? So that's that's kind of the major major thing uh, with them. I think they did a nice job. They, they, you know, it's just, it's tough when you're in the SEC, right? It's like, that's good. They closed well. Are they any closer to winning the division? Mm. Uh, not when you got three schools just in a different stratosphere, I guess. So one of the funniest, uh, you know, one of the funniest lineups that you can have is if you take the 24-7 sports uh, recruit yep. Big Ten football team rankings and you line them up, almost every Big Ten East team is near the top. Uh, it goes Ohio State 1, Penn State 2, Michigan 3, Indiana and number four, Michigan State at five, Rutgers at seven, Maryland at eight. Iowa is the highest Big Ten West team at six. And then the rest of the Big Ten West, Purdue, Minnesota, Illinois, Northwestern, Wisconsin, Nebraska, in that order, make up the make up uh, the rest of the Big Ten. Uh, that is stark when one side of your conference is recruiting at an entirely different level than the other side of the conference. Uh, that's uh, That was one thing that, uh, that was particularly noticeable when you know we talk about you know how much you close in the gap well well the big 10 east is still pulling away from the big 10 west at least when it comes to talent acquisition i it i get i get a lot i get a lot of hate for hating on the big 10 west but the better talent goes to the east pretty consistently so strange um it's a it's a geography thing i think man mostly really like the, the the states in the big 10 west just don't produce much talent Oh, and then it's just tough. Opposed, and then you got to get kids to go to the Midwest, and oftentimes in tough weather, it, it's it's difficult. Some kids will do it, a lot of kids won't. Like, it, how, who's going to be the best at recruiting Ohio and Pennsylvania? I don't know. The Big Ten powers in Ohio and Pennsylvania. Um, so there, one of the this popped early on my radar, and I'm I'm glad you wanted to talk about it too, because we have talked uh, often about how the early signing period has really hurt a lot of programs, specifically the Stanford Cardinal, because prior to the early signing period, Stanford would pop with a a highly ranked class. You know, they would go out and they would be able to land uh, some four star, five star, blue chip players that would go on to be a part of teams that were competing for Pac-12 North and Pac-12 championships. And it was my understanding that the Stanford, the university admissions process was one of the big holdups in this in terms of when they were able to get kids in. And if I'm correct, it was only either this past January 21 or January 2020, Stanford actually had its first early enrollee for spring practice ever. Now, just because kids signs now doesn't mean that they're going to be automatically early enrolled. So much of that still could be the same, but now, what has changed with the Stanford recruiting plan that has allowed for just a massive jump from where we have seen them? And, and for comparison here, right now they are sitting at number 15 in the entire country in the 24-7 sports composite. They were at 43 the year prior. They were at 21 the year prior. Like This is, um, this is significant, right? I, I, it definitely is, Chip, because it tells me that, that Stanford – is adapting to the the new the new way, which is the early signing period. Certainly, David Shaw was, uh, I think, the most vocal coach out there campaigning against the early signing period. Uh, and now they're doing more summer official visits. They're trying to speed up their own process, maybe working with admissions to see if they can get kids you know, likely greenlit. Because you, you're not going to 
not going to sign early if you're not sure if you can get into school. So speeding up that process has certainly helped and, and a major bounce back class uh, for Stanford. I think it'll take a couple extra you know, or a couple in a row to build back up to where they were if they can do it. And the landscape in California has certainly changed. But Stanford recruits nationally due to its academics, you know, much like Vanderbilt does. So, um, you know, that, that's that's a major thing for them that they were able to get that fixed because they were really hurting over the last couple of years. Uh, also a surprise team. I know that uh, you've got uh, Kentucky on your radar and I'm looking, do we have a Goodwin announcement yet? As the uh, Goodwin, the offensive tackle, five-star player, he, he had the legendary um, press conference to announce that I'm not announcing, right? He came, yes. out, he came out and said, I'm not going to make this announcement quite yet. Then got on a plane, uh, flew somewhere else, and I think he was going to be making it on uh, CBS Sports HQ. Chat's telling me he stayed with Kentucky. Great, since we were about to talk about the Wildcats. Uh, what do you make about just uh, the the man with the best contract in college sports is uh, going to delivering on the recruiting trail here in 2022? Mark Stoops, uh, fringe top 10 class. I think, what, what are they, 11th or 12th right now? Yeah, now, looking uh, at Keeping Goodwin in, in the class is... I mean, that, that's huge, right? Like, you're, if you're Kentucky, look what the contract says. Look at what we're looking at. It's, you're trying to basically be the best team out of, you know, Vanderbilt, South Carolina, Missouri, and Tennessee fans won't like this, but Tennessee. And, you know, like Georgia, Florida, probably not reachable in most years. They're doing what they're doing class wise is absolutely capable of keeping them there. They also kept their defensive coordinator who was being courted. By LSU, so I, I saw that news today. Um, things are coming up. Mark Stoops. They did a great job in the state of Tennessee, by the way. Very interesting. Uh, speaking of the them being able to retain their defensive coordinator, uh, what do you see at the let's, say, let's start at the head coaching level, and then I know the assistant carousel after today is going to continue to spin. Uh, so that'll be very interesting to track and follow. But you know, what do you make about um, you know what we saw? some of these new hires be able to to get done here with very, very little time. And, you know, we talked earlier about it's the first full class that we should really judge you by. It's still a recruiting class that you got to put your name to. So what really stood out from uh, some of those guys? Yeah, Chip, I, I think there's there's really kind of a split here. The, the coaches who were big-name coaches before were able to, I think, kind of transport some of their relationships that they had existing and were able to take – some of those guys, right? So Lincoln Riley to USC, they're certainly not done, but a lot of those guys who were committed to him at Oklahoma, I think will likely end up at USC. Uh, Mario Cristobal was recruiting Nigel Lee Kelly, uh, the defensive end out of Fort Lauderdale Dillard when he was at Oregon. And, and Kelly was on the record of saying, hey, if Oregon wasn't you know, 5,000 miles away, uh, that's probably not a totally accurate number of miles. But if, if it wasn't so far away, I'd probably be at Oregon. And lo and behold, Mario goes to Miami and he's all of a sudden in Kelly's backyard and he ends up getting Nigel Kelly. They, they get Wesley Besaint. So I think if your school hired a really big name who is like a very active recruiter and like the lead recruiter on some of these guys, like, like a Lincoln Riley or like a Cristobal is, they were able to kind of import some of those dudes. Uh, you know, a Florida, on the other hand, I think he did a good job today. They, they, they got Devin Moore, they got Kamari Wilson, but most of the people who Napier recruiting was recruiting at, at Louisiana are not going to be takes at Florida. And so he was out there saying, Hey, I'm going to do this very slowly. 
I'm not going to load up on guys, which again, I don't call it research, but like the, the data I gathered shows that these early signing period classes in the transition period. So, you know, if you're a brand new coach, they fall apart pretty regularly. So I think that's probably smart to go a little more portal heavy uh, early for Napier and sell playing time next year. Don't, don't throw a whole bunch of spots to high schoolers right now who you may not be sure about. And you don't have a full coaching staff yet. Um, LSU kind of a mixed bag, right? Brian Kelly is absolutely a big name. LSU still has a good class, uh, but they're, you know, they're 18th right now. Now they, they only have 13 commits. I'm sure they'll go a little more portal heavy. They still have some targets left on the board. They do have two five stars. They kept quarterback Walker Howard. Again, he was kind of flirting with Notre Dame uh, when Orgeron was fired, uh, but maybe not quite the buzz down there that uh, Cristobal and Lincoln Riley got at their respective schools. And some staffs with assistants were also pretty effective here. Uh, the Clemson Tigers are uh, in a in an interesting position, which, by the way, we were talking about the uh, the transfer rankings earlier. Can we get a shout out to uh, Jeff Scott? Jeff Scott's got eleven in the transfer portal on board. That is the number one transfer team according to the twenty four seven Sports transfer portal team rankings. Your South Florida Bulls, among them, uh, three former Clemson Tigers are in are transferring into the USF program. A Joe, a Joe, the very talented wide receiver from Canada, being one of them. But the Clemson Tigers, you know, they opt to promote internally. Brandon Streeter's your new offensive coordinator. We're going co-defensive coordinators uh, with Wes Goodwin and Mickey Kahn both taking over some of the assistant roles have shuffled Todd Bates picks up assistant to the head coach while he maintains uh, to be defensive tackles. You know, the special teams get shifted safeties coach gets shifted. It is a true belief by Dabo Sweeney uh, in what he's got already in that building, as opposed to trying to go out and recruit somewhere else. But looking at the landscape of the ACC, they are not, Number one in the ACC, that would be the North Carolina Tar Heels. Clemson checking in at number two. Florida State was in that number two spot, no longer without Hunter. They are and also uh, missed out on a couple potentials. They are at number three. So for the Clemson Tigers, you know, 13 commits so far in this class. Is there any real concern, or do you have any um, in any? Any real like reaction to the way that Dabo has played this from a hiring standpoint or the roadmap that he's laid out to uh, to get Clemson back to ACC championship status? I mean, he, he sure is sticking to his guns, right? Um, did you see his quotes today? I did. It's total chaos right now, when he said. Tampering galore, kids being manipulated, grass is greener and all that stuff as opposed to putting the work in and graduating. There's no consequences. So now you got agents and NIL tampering and you have no consequences no consequences equals no no conscience there's no reason for pause no barrier for young people like nothing education is the last thing now look i can say that but he still has to evolve and adapt and the transfer portal is a part of college football right now name image and likeness is a trans is a part of college football right now hell jimbo said it today nil has been going on for quite a while on fine bomb he said this that we just didn't talk about it uh, I I don't think Clemson is on the verge of falling apart. I, I really don't. Um, this is just one class. However, this class will set them back in terms of chasing Georgia and Alabama and Ohio State and 
if A and M throws another one on this thing next year, potentially A and M, right? Um, because their hit rate has always been so high, they don't take a whole lot of guys. Like their their number of signees are lower than normal. They give a lot more scholarships to walk ons than some programs do. I mean, some years they're they're carrying five six walk ons. I think this class will hurt them some. And the, the guys they lost, Dalen Everett, obviously Jihad Campbell, some of those dudes are are really good players. And we'll see what they can do. But their chip, their numbers are, are, are just they're very low this year. They have 13 commits. You almost have to go hit the portal. Otherwise, are you really going to bring in a class of just 13? That seems I don't know, not not great. I I think that they will and him saying that the portal's going crazy isn't necessarily the old Dabo Sweeney. We're not going to use the transfer portal. Right. I I believe that you know out of necessity for depth, you're going to end up entertaining some of those positions. And look, there are players in the transfer portal who are probably interested to come see what's up at Clemson. I mean, you don't have that much success and not be a little attractive. But I do think that there is two things that are happening at once. Number one, uh, Clemson's giving up ground to. Alabama, Georgia, and you've got this group behind that is going to start catching up to you. North Carolina, Miami, probably not with this class, but in the bigger picture, I would say Miami with Cristobal and the investment that we're talking about. Florida State's got uh, a lot of soul searching to do after this dramatic day, but I, I would say that in general, you are looking at an ACC that you're not going to just have under your thumb. I mean, heck, on the field next year, Sam Hartman, by the way, is going to be back for the 2022 season. I think that NC State and Wake Forest are going to be a threat to Clemson. I don't think that they'll lose to both of them, but I think that when we look at that Atlantic division, it could be another scenario where we enter November and there's three teams all with a shot uh, to maybe represent that division. So I, I think that for Clemson, it is, a fascinating, um, it is a fascinating combination of things that are not exciting if you are a Tigers fan, that both A, uh, you are sort of – dropping back from that upper, 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 upper tier of college football while also seeing some programs behind you in the ACC load up in the efforts to catch you. Maybe even they, they sent some blood is in the water in the larger picture. We, we will see how Dabo's recruiting chops are as a head coach, I think. Um, and, we'll, and we'll see how good Wes Goodwin is as a recruiter, as he interacts with recruits more, right? We, we know Venables, recruits liked him. You know, um, Tony Elliott recruits liked him. The, some of this is going to be on, on on Dabo to try and try and recapture it. And it's just one class and they're already looking OK for next year. So I don't want to like people shouldn't freak out about this. Oh, but it's but, so fun to freak out. But you do it two years in a row. Right. And we start to kind of take you out of that national title favorites conversation. You start to go into more of the if everything clicks conversation, they could do it if they get quarterback right conversation as opposed to hey they're so damn talented they like they're legitimately going to be one of those four teams we pick for the national title every year like we did this year in our draft yeah i don't are, are you so shook from this year that you, you clemson is not on that list of um you three teams that you consider for a national championship at the beginning of 2022 who's quarterbacking for a&m uh who's quarterbacking for georgia Bama's going to be number one with a bullet next year because because they'll have Bryce back. Right. So uh, and then Ohio State probably too because they'll have CJ back. I, I would I would consider Clemson. You just got to get the offense fixed up a little bit. The defense was still really damn good. 
year three, Brian Brzee, he'll be back and healthy after Miles Murphy. Miles Murphy. Yeah, some good players in the secondary, young players in the secondary really flashed this year too. I'm also not out on DJ. Mm. I mean, I, I think the physical talent's still there. He had a little step back this year, obviously, but uh, I'm not I'm not fully selling on that. Yeah, I, I paint all that, you know, and I, I paint all that doom and gloom, but I, I think that it's also maybe it is my, it is my overreaction. It is my overreaction to what has become like a reversal of what was just a almost a straight lineup, right? I mean, the the rise of Clemson football is something that you and I have seen like up close and personal in our time covering this sport. And so now I start to see it going the other way. I'm probably jumping a little bit too quickly on the other side of that. You, you, you may be right. I'm just, I, I mean, I'm, I'm more, I guess of a sample set guy. I don't want like, I don't want to be well actually here. Hey, like Bud said, they're out and the next year they go sign a, you know, a top four class. Uh, but it's certainly, you know, it's, it's concerning that their numbers are, are, are this low and um, you know, they didn't take a bunch of scrubs, obviously, but 13 is 13. That, that's a very low number. So they're, if they want to get right, they kind of have to go pretty heavy portal. Um, so what else, before we get out of here, uh, and for those asking in the chat, the Bowl Locks Volume 1, the first edition of the Bowl Locks pod uh, that will be on Thursday, that is tomorrow, December 16th, 11 a.m. You can watch it live at youtube.com slash cover three. Uh, we will have our first slate of Bowl Locks. Our plan right now is to hit you on that Thursday like we have been doing during the regular season at 11 a.m. Eastern time. So it will be on Thursday the 16th, Thursday the 23rd, Thursday the 30th, kind of working through one week at a time through the bowl schedule, uh, splitting it up so it's a little bit more digestible and so that we can spray the board. All right, if we put all 44 bowls on the board, we probably wouldn't have as many locks as if we split them up, and we know you want as many picks as possible. So uh, that is just for your schedule. And remember, if you subscribe to the cover three podcast uh, on YouTube, smash the bell for notifications. Then you find out anytime we go live. So uh, the day is, uh, it's almost wrapped up. I know there's a little bit more to do. Uh, what, what sort of lingers that we haven't hit on so far in terms of the big uh, storylines and headlines from the day. Sure. Uh, Want to see what happens with, with Evan Stewart, you know, obviously not signed yet. We do have the traditional national signing day uh, coming up. So, don't freak out about that, but who knows? Maybe maybe there could be a splash there. I guess we'll see. He's like a freaky fast receiver chip uh, committed to Texas A&M. Also a TikTok star, by the way. So uh, has kind of built his own name, image, and likeness uh, brand long before he ever gets to school. Uh, North Carolina, number what? Number seven, number eight class, and uh, by average star rating, a top five class. Ooh, you guys are I hadn't seen set, that second one. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Little uh, setting up camp there in Virginia. I believe UNC has five of the top six players in the state of Virginia signed. Thank you, Dre Bly. I mean, I'm That'll get you fired you. if you coach in, in, in Virginia, and it did both those guys. Yeah, well, but, excuse me. Men in Hall retired, or, you know, is, is done. Not Dre fired. Bly is a Virginia high school football legend. Man's got his name on a stadium. Is it a tough man to recruit against? Dude, he is. You, you guys did a great job up there. Like that's, I know this year was kind of a disappointment, but they had some things happen that did they just didn't work out. Like we kind of knew they, if they were going to arrive, uh, they needed this and this and this to happen. I'm probably buying back in on North Carolina, by the way, for next year. I know they're going to lose Howell, but like I'm, 
they're a great, to use a fantasy term, I was in the fantasy football studios today down here in Fort Lauderdale, listened to FFT in five, helped me win five games in a row to get back in my league championship, and the Budsaw is coming for that trophy. Uh, but they use the term post-hype sleeper. The post-hype sleeper here. You know, the, the, the team or the player, he was hyped, didn't live up to it. Now he's kind of a sleeper. North Carolina next year, for me, based on these classes that they're stacking back to back to back. Uh, what else do I have here? Penn State. Ooh, they had Penn a State has class. a little bit of disappointing year. They Clifford got hurt against Iowa. Otherwise, I think this year probably could have been better. They played playoff team Michigan to what a single score there, and Michigan hits that big play on them at the end. They played Ohio State fairly tough. One well, of the you know one of, we knew Penn State was going to have a good class. That was like yeah. the whole, that was one of the whole James Franklin's going to stay arguments is because we said look at the class he's got coming in. It would be on some levels, a little bit foolish to walk away from it. But I got something here. I mean, Drew Aller is our number one quarterback in the country. What have we said about Penn State? Like, like man, if they could just get quarterback right, maybe they could get over the hump. I mean, Drew Aller's pretty damn good, Chip. Five uh, he's, star, 99 prospect grade from uh, 24-7 Sports. Composite has him at a 98.6. Number one quarterback, as you mentioned, number one prospect from the state of Ohio, according to 24-7 Sports. Six multi-sport background. Oh, Barton loves to hear it. Big dude. Yeah. Uh, I mean, he good balance, big time arm. Josh like Allen is the player comp. Yeah, exactly right. Um, that's that's something that I think you got to be pretty impressed with. Obviously, Penn State always does a great job with with linebackers, and, and this year they're running backs. I mean, their skill they got in this class to get Nicholas Singleton, Andrew Aller in the same class. Is, is pretty damn impressive. You, you throw in receiver Caden Saunders, uh, Chip. They got they got our number one running back and our number one quarterback in the whole country, and they're killing it for twenty twenty three. Good stuff for Penn know. State moving forward. Last one. Yep. We already did, we already did Texas. Who else did I want to talk? I, I know I had a third one here. Where is it at? Uh, oh, Notre Dame. Oh, Marcus Freeman. Marcus Freeman. I think they're going to be okay recruiting wise. Well, I, they wanted to address linebacker. They wanted to address offensive line. They got a whole bunch of both those positions. Freeman was a big part of the recruiting efforts already. And with the continuity on the staff, I mean, that's, that's a good sign, right? It, I think it definitely is. And, you know, we talk about how they had elevated their recruiting recently. And recently is Brian Kelly, but it's also Marcus Freeman. I, I do think he helped to take them to a different level of recruiting. And if you're Notre Dame, we talked about this. They probably wouldn't go coordinator because of the of the the magnitude of that job and all the things that come with it, unless it was an in-house coordinator who they had a chance to evaluate and scout and figure feel they had a good feel for. And he's got to go coach the games. And at some point he'll have to do other head coach stuff like, you know, deal with boosters and make hires and fires and all, all that kind of stuff. But I think he passed his first test pretty well here. If you're a Notre Dame fan, you need to be pretty excited about this class. It, it, it's another top 10 haul for them. They're doing really well in 23 as well. I, I think you got to be pretty excited. Highly rated, most highly rated private school on the board. Right? I mean, I until, Van, until Vandy really gets cranking. You know, oh, yeah. Then, Notre Dame at number seven, Stanford at 15. And then coming right for them are those Vanderbilt Commodores. 
thank you to Barton Simmons for uh, for jumping on. That was a lot of fun. And I'm glad that uh, those who are with us live here on YouTube.com slash Cover 3, it was great to see all the excitement for the surprise. If, you've been, if you're listening to this later on the audio platform and you're a longtime subscriber, I'm sure you enjoyed it as well and didn't mind a, a nice little spin through Vanderbilt football with the general manager himself. He is... Bud Elliott. You can follow him on Twitter at Bud Elliott 3 I'm Chip Patterson. You can follow me at Chip underscore Patterson. Bud, thank you very much. See you, buddy. here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice and a good polar vortex. Oh, <laughs> heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, old man winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details.